Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 17 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Happy New Relaxed. Year. Happy New Year. Looking forward to doing the show. Think we're going to have a good time? Yes. I, I was going to say we have big plans for the show for 2016. Uh, we don't. I mean, we have our regular plans, which is to yeah, do the it's show pretty, every week. Yeah, nothing is deviating too terribly uh, from the high standard of quality that you've come to expect from the Super Sentai Brothers. Yeah, but I don't know. if you. I'll tell you what. Listeners, if you got excited <laughs> briefly when I said we had big plans for the year because we thought you thought that we were going to do something, uh, tell me what that thing is. And, I don't know, we'll think about it. Who knows? Maybe we'll do it. We've done some things in the past. We do stuff. Maybe we will do things again. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a big world. <laughs> really, the possibilities are endless. It's, I mean, you know, as endless as they can be within the very narrow strictures <laughs> of an hour-long show in which we talk about Super Sentai. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, relatively endless. So, Dave... Today, we are watching episode 17 of Jetman. It's called The Revived Empress. Which Empress? The Revived One. The Revived One. You haven't met her yet. Just assume that she's reviving from something. But before we get into that, Dave, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Matt, is that it is, we're kind of wrapping up the holiday season as we record this. We had Christmas, and uh, it was New Year. Very happy New Year to everybody. And so we just thought we would take a moment and talk about how much fun that stuff was. Yeah, we are still, uh, I think we're still in the throes of the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, I think so. Which I that always thought right. ran like up until Christmas, but that, is, as it turns out, is not the case. No, it starts on Christmas. Yeah, it starts and on just Christmas goes. and runs through the Epiphany on uh, January the 6th, or uh, aka Three Kings Day. So, if that's your thing. It is some people's thing. Uh, yeah, so uh, Christmas was awesome this year. I got a lot of great stuff. Uh, I got some books and video games, and this is super cool. Uh, so my wife, Beth, got me two particular presents that really stood out. And the first, and Matt, this is actually also of interest to you. You've already seen it, but we'll chat about it anyways, is that she has spent the last like year doing genealogical research on our family, and did like this really cool like family tree thing going back i think that she got back like eight generations and it turns out that you and i uh, have an ancestor that fought in the revolutionary war which is pretty crazy uh that is pretty crazy and i'm going to say wholly unexpected yeah i did not think that our like family line had been in the country for that long but apparently we have uh, so, so that's pretty rad. So she did that. And then also Kevin Spacey is not in our family you know, tree, is not in our family tree, but Kevin Spacey, you know, Kev, uh, you mean K-Dog? 
Yeah, K Dog. Uh, K Pax, actually. I was. Oh, you beat me to it. I was literally yeah, just about to yeah, make a terrible yeah, yeah. K Pax joke. <laughs> um, but, anyways, check this out. Kevin Spacey is doing a series of masterclass, of, of acting masterclasses uh, online, and my wife got the course for me. So I'm going to be participating. Uh, in this class with like coursework and lectures uh, that's being run by Kevin Spacey. I'm super excited about it. I just think it's going to be really cool. It's like a really neat present. Uh, Kevin Spacey's running a master class. So uh, you got me some books that I have. I've read one of them. I finished one. It was great. All right. I Honestly, uh, I know that I got you books and I know that I got you Terry Pratchett books. Uh, but because I have never gotten around to reading Terry Pratchett books, I do not know which ones I got you. Oh, uh, one is called Raising Steam, and then uh, The Shepherd's Crown. Shepherd's Crown actually is the very last book that he wrote uh, before he passed away earlier this year. Which, listen, dude, I know I've said this before. I really, like, you, sh- you should read Terry Pratchett. He's oh, listen, just... I know that I should. Here, Here is the <laughs> one reason I have not read any Terry Pratchett, is because I know he wrote, like, 50 books. And if I start yeah, reading them and books. I start liking them, then I'm just going to buy those books. And then I'm going to have to find room in my house for new furniture because I'm going to need to get a whole other bookshelf to carry all of them. Listen, and I'm man, just not uh, willing to like, I'm not willing to get into an author so deep that I need to rearrange my furniture. Um, and so that is why I've held off. Fair. That's fair. Listen, I understand. Like, I get it. Uh, but you are in luck because I own like basically everything he's ever written like there's a couple books of his that i don't have and you can borrow them you can just you can borrow them for as long as you want and then you don't have to buy a new shelf you could just give it back to me because it will still technically be mine uh but then you could read them which you should totally do so anyways you got me those books i read the first one uh i haven't read shepherd's crown yet i'm very much looking forward to it so uh how was your how was your Christmas? Uh, it was wonderful. It was. I mean, you were there, so you saw it. But, right, uh, I was there. We were sitting across the couch from each other. Uh, I got a soda stream. And listen, yeah. if that's not exciting to you, the listener, then you do not understand how much I find regular boring water to be a waste of time. Uh, bubble water is where it's at. Bubble water is totally where it's at. Although, although, uh, do you take a calcium supplement? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, Dave, this is this is a show where like we tell jokes and have fun with the things in our life. Not the show where you remind me to take a calcium supplement. <laughs> Ew, we're in our 30s, Matt. We're in our 30s. Got to start looking out for that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, so what were we talking about before we got into my bone health? <laughs> oh, great Christmas is. Oh, yeah. Christmas is great. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm in my 30s. So I got like stuff from my kitchen. and I got a couple of new area rugs for my apartment, which are great. Beautiful rugs. Um, I got a book. You know, Christmas is great. I'm not going to like Christmas pull out my great. list of stuff that I got. Thank you to everyone who got me presents. Yeah. Uh, so Christmas, New Year's, had a lovely New Year's. Ate cassoulet, which is my New Year's tradition. Uh, and this Cassoulet. is a new tradition that you uh, sort of snuck in the back door, is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so first of all, uh, cassoulet is like a French bean stew. It's crazy delicious. Like, it's so good. Uh, I had never had it in my whole life before three years ago. And so my wife and I, we were like, we were hanging out. It was New Year's Eve. We're like, well, what do you want to do? We're like, you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff. This was like a couple years ago, right? 
we're like, we've been doing a lot of stuff, like parties and seeing people. Like, let's just, like, let's just chill out, right? Like, let's just hang for New Year's Eve. It'll be a quiet evening at home, and we'll just start the New Year off like that. We're like, well, let's make a nice dinner. That'll be cool. So we make cassoulet. I never had it. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, but it takes a while because it's like a stew, right? You've got to let it, you've you've gotta gotta let let it stew. It stew. Like, it's got to sit there. And so, like, over the course of the inter, like, over the course of the year, I would be like, hey, let's make cassoulet for dinner. And Beth would be like, ah, like, it kind of takes forever. Like, let's not. And I'm like, well, all right. Like, I'm not going to push it. But then the next year, I, like, I planned this, like, a month and a half in advance. I hadn't said anything about it. And then the next new year, we were like, what do you want to do? It's like, I don't know. We've just been hanging out a lot recently. Like, let's just have a quiet evening in. Beth was like, yeah, that sounds really nice. She, like, Beth is always down for a quiet evening in. She's very introverted. And so she's like, well, what should we do for dinner? And I said, I don't know. Like, let's make cassoulet. And she said, yeah, you know, you have been mentioning it here and there. Like, let's make some cassoulet. So I was like, great. So we go to the store. We get all this stuff. And, like, we come home and we start making it. And she, she's like chopping celery or something. And she turns around to look at me and she says, didn't we make cassoulet last year for New Year's? And I, because realizing what was going on in her head, I was like, yes, we did. And she said, so this is the second year in a row. And I said, yes, it is. And she said, that makes it a tradition now, doesn't it? And I said, yes, it does. Uh, so now she's stuck. I got her. Um, but I actually made, the, I made it this year, uh, and it turned out very well. So I ate delicious cassoulet. Um, speaking, actually, Matt, of New Year's, uh-huh. this is the first episode that's going to be coming out after New Year's. So I think now would be a really good time to reveal the Super Sentai Brothers 2016 Slogan, right? So this past year, 2015, has been uh, 2015. up your game, yeah. Uh, and so, Dave, in 2016, what are we going to be encouraging people to do? So, guys, our slogan for this year, 2016 Super Sentai Brothers slogan is "Up your game." Yeah, just keep upping your game. Yeah, people. just keep upping it's it. It's up your game, part two. Up your game, the two. The streets. Son of up. up your game. Revenge of up your game. Just when you thought it was safe to up your game. <laughs> yeah, so 2016 slogan. We want to encourage all of you, up your game. Pick a game that wasn't previously upped and up that game. Or take a game or that you previously upped in 2015, re-up. Re-up. Keep upping that game. What are you going to do? You're going to uh, lower your game? Nobody wants a lowered game. Yeah. Speaking, anyway, actually, I so, think that counts as a star. That's just a New Year thing. That's just a New Year thing. 2016 slogan, up your game. You could even tweet at us with ways that you have upped your game. How about that? Yeah, sure. Dave like won't read them because he doesn't uh, have Twitter, but I'll look at them. I, re- I go online and read them sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, actually, Matt, this is a fantastic seg. Uh, speaking of upping your game, let's talk about Star Wars. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, yeah. From here until the end of the stars, we're just going to sort of cash in the last three or four stars. Uh, we're just talking yeah, about well, Star Wars. We're going to like actually have like a spoiler talk about it uh, now that it's been yeah. a couple of weeks. So if you have seen it, uh, stick around, I guess, if you're interested in our opinions about <laughs> Star Wars. Um, if and you have not seen it, you can just isn't? skip to the end of this. 
Uh, and then we will get on to episode 17, The Revived Empress. Hey guys, producer Mark here. Like Matt and Dave mentioned, things are going to get pretty spoilery for Star Wars The Force Awakens for the next few minutes here. Uh, so if you haven't watched yet and want to skip the spoilers safely, rejoin us around the 26-minute mark, and you should safely skip everything that you don't want to hear. Right. Also, though, if you haven't seen it, um, get your life in order. Yeah, if you, It's been out for weeks. Yeah, exactly. You should have, you should have seen That's Star the thing. Wars it's, by now. It's been long enough now that like, I've seen it three times. If you have not seen it one time, <laughs> then you probably don't care enough to be really upset about spoilers. <laughs> Um, okay, so Star Wars, man. Uh, as we mentioned two weeks ago, we loved it. It was great. Um, so let's just talk about some of the awesome stuff that is from Star Wars. First thing, and it, God, man, I just I wish there was a better way to say this, but like it was Star Wars. Like it was really, really Star Wars in a way, and I think that this is key in a way that the prequel trilogy never was. Yeah, it really is. And okay. So here is a like half baked theory I have about, uh, one of the characters in star Wars, the force awakens is that Kylo Ren, uh, Mm -hmm. is a manifestation of the prequel trilogies because he's a cheap knockoff of something that is beloved from the original version uh, that tries way too hard and completely like misses the heart of what made the thing cool to begin with. Like Kylo okay. Ren is to Darth Vader what the prequel trilogies were to the original trilogy. <laughs> we're just, Star Wars. just like trying so hard and like completely missing every point. So and this I gotta say, is a- Kylo Ren. I loved Kylo Ren. Oh yeah, like, he's an awesome character. As soon as for a I, number like of leading up to it, I had been avoiding all spoilers, and so I had no idea what I was going to get. And then I saw him, I'm like, okay, so he's like, you know, the Vadery dude. I don't know why he's got, like, the weird, like, crossbar on his lightsaber. I don't know why he wears the mask. I don't know why he looks like Dime Store Vader. But here we go. And then as soon as he started, like, throwing temper tantrums, I realized, like, oh, that's why all of this stuff is happening. But he's got, like, it's just this weird manifestation of this huge inferiority complex mashed up with like the hero worship of Darth Vader like why does he have a crossbar in his lightsaber like because he feels bad that he's not cool enough so he's just making extra cool stuff <laughs> right um, no yeah uh, I love the character of him and here's something that I think is very interesting because one of the mild complaints that I've heard about about The Force Awakens is they're like oh it's just like a this is actually something George Lucas said because apparently George Lucas is like not a huge fan um, of The Force Awakens because he's like a weird, grumpy guy now. Uh, but anyways, is that they're like, oh, it's just Star Wars. Like, it's just Star Wars again. Like, it's not a shot-for-shot remake of The Force Awakens, but like, it's basically just The Force Awakens. Here's my theory about Dave, that. Dave, when you say The Force Awakens in that case, do you mean A New Hope? Uh, yeah, I totally okay. mean A New Hope. Sorry about that. Uh, here's my here's my thing about that. First of all, like, listen, man, storytelling is cyclical. That's a thing in Star Wars. Like, you know, like, that's just a thing that works. Especially when you're um, doing, like, a multi-part fantasy epic. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, crosses generations. Like, like, using cyclical storytelling is, like, a device, not a cop-out. Right. But the other thing I was thinking about this is, like, 
I think that might be, I mean, okay, obviously it's very intentional, but I think it might be intentional on this level as well, is that one of the big complaints that people had, myself not least among them, about the prequel trilogy is that it didn't feel like Star Wars, right? And so when The Force Awakens came out, I feel like on some level that was like, you know, J.J. Abrams and the whole production team saying to everybody like, hey, look, check it out. We can do a Star Wars movie that feels like Star Wars. It's what you wanted it to be. It's not like this kind of other weird thing. So that maybe later, if they want to change some stuff up, they've got a little more leeway to do that. Because it's like, hey, we can do Star Wars. And so now you kind of trust us and we can move forward with the storytelling. Right, like so, we have proven to you that we get it. Now let's yeah. do whatever. Or let's continue to just do that thing. Honestly, I would be happy with that too. Right. Yeah, it, it, that would probably work for everybody involved. So I love that. Um, great performances, I think, from everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everybody was great. Um, I really liked all the new additions to the cast. Yes. Um, like, yeah. dude, Ray and Finn and Poe are all great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And Daisy Ridley and... Yeah, everybody is really, really solid. And, and what I think what I really like is that they struck a very good balance of um, mixing in new characters but maintaining the ones from the original trilogy. Like, honestly, before we went into it, I assumed that we, they would basically be like extended cameos. I did not assume that this movie was like half just about Han Solo. Yeah, no, I... Third. I mean, he's he is pretty significant character in the movie. Um, yeah, I thought it was awesome performances. And one of the things that I really liked about Star Wars, um, and it was something that was really cool in the original trilogy, and they've continued to do that in The Force Awakens, is that they've taken actors, I mean, obviously not like Harrison Ford, but they've taken actors who are like relative unknowns. You know what I mean? Right. Like not giant name actors. Um, but I think Daisy Ridley and John Boyega were fantastic. Uh, and I think that they struck a really good balance between like delivering a very good performance, but you could also kind of very much see that that the two actors themselves were just like really really stoked to be in Star Wars. Oh, dude, I think I think the best moment of like, hey, we are excited to be doing Star Wars stuff is when Finn and Poe are escaping in the Tie Fighter. <laughs> like, it, like they just yeah. look like they're having so much fun like yes this is a star wars thing we just did that we shot the guy right i mean it's got to be the case how can it not be amazing um but yeah i loved all of that i loved the fighter like the space fighter battles oh, holy yeah. crap um i was delighted to hear the the scream of the twin ion engines from those tie fighters it was great yeah. oh by the way real quick thing about the cast before we move on from that Oh is, yeah, uh, sure. the guy who plays General Hux is uh, uh, Donald Gleason. Okay, Donald Gleason has been in, like a bunch of stuff. He's also right now in uh, what's that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Revenant? Oh yeah, He's I want to totally want to go see. That. Uh, he was one of the Weasleys in the Harry Potter series. Oh, that's right. He's Bill? the terrible one. He was Bill. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No, Bill is the great one. Percy is the terrible one. Right. Anyways, but uh, uh, Donald Gleason played Bill. Uh, but his dad is Brendan Gleeson, which I did not realize until I heard like an interview with him the other day. Um, and if you don't know Wait Brendan Gleeson, uh, he was Hamish in 
Braveheart. I totally know him. Oh, that guy. Yeah, and yeah, he's also been in like awesome. a bunch of other stuff. He's been in Bruges. Yeah, he's been in a ton he's, of stuff. He was in Gangs of New York. He was he was um, actually also yeah, great in actor. the Harry Potter movies. He was uh, Mad Eye Moody. Yeah, I did not know that. That was I did not know that they were related. Yeah, that, that was really, like that really cool. whole family. Like like Brendan Gleeson and all of his sons are all actors. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. There is actually, the second time through, I noticed that, like, one of the first order, like, clerks, like a computer technician, mm-hmm. she's on screen for, like, less than 30 seconds. But also, I've seen her in a number of things, but she played uh, Lady Macbeth opposite Sir Patrick Stewart. Really? In a fantastic production of Macbeth. Yeah, and I just and it's really crazy because I've seen her play Lady Macbeth, which is this like super intense, like very demanding role, and she played opposite Patrick Stewart, uh, you know, like this legendary actor. And then I only ever see her in kind of like bit parts here and there. Maybe she does a lot of stage work. I don't know. But she's a fantastic actress. Uh, let's talk real briefly. About the lightsaber fight. Oh, dude! At the let's end, do that. specifically the light, you know, the the saber fight at the end. But can Kylo you give Ren an honorable, versus... honorable mention to the uh, the lightsaber fight between Finn and the soldier with like the energy tonfa baton. Oh yeah, that thing. Dude, like there are certain sections of the internet. There are certain sections of the internet that are super into that guy. Um, apparently, his fan name is Tradar. Because he yells traitor. Got it. Ah. See, what, see what happened there? I see uh, what yeah, you're that energy tonfa thing is cool. I'm also part of a couple of uh, prop building forums, and people are like real jazzed about building that like cool electro tonfa thing. Dude, it was great. It's super cool, right? I kind of want to build one, but I don't think I will. But, anyways, so let's take a second and talk about that lightsaber fight. It was awesome. It was amazing. It I... was totally awesome. Okay, and here is Here's what... why. No, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Here is what. Uh, sort of framed it super well for me and it I was thinking about it after I saw the movie the first time is that uh, in the original trilogy there are only ever like three lightsabers like Luke has two Vader has one that's it no I guess Obi-Wan's got one too right so there are four lightsabers in the original three movies and then and they were special you know it feels you know it feels like it was supposed to feel like this crazy magical relic sword uh, that can cut through anything, glows, and is used by, like, you know, magic space wizards. Um, right. And then in the prequel trilogy, so many people had them that they didn't feel special anymore. They just felt like, oh, okay. here's the thing that this person has. And since in this movie, there are only two lightsabers, and they don't have a lightsaber duel until the very end of the movie, like, it's it felt Big. It felt significant in a way that it hasn't since the original trilogy. That is a really cool point. I really no, that's really cool. Um, that's not actually the thing that I was going to say, which is really convenient. I mean, the other thing here's is that the it's a thing great that I fight. It is a great fight. Here's the particular thing that I love about it. Okay, so uh, there is a fight choreographer. His name is Bob Anderson. He's like super, super famous. Um, he is kind of like the gold stand. He did like Mask of Zorro. He did the original Star Wars movies. He did. Um, he choreographed the big the fight scene between Wesley and Inigo and the Princess Bride. Okay. Like that's all Bob Anderson, right? So Bob Anderson did the fight choreography for the original Star Wars movies, but he also did the fight choreography for the prequel movies. And uh, people were talking to him about kind of because you know they looked very very different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the in the original trilogy, it's kind of like 
it's it's kind of fast and very it's it's pretty straightforward combat um and they were asking him like why does it look so different in the prequel trilogies and he said listen the original trilogy is supposed to take place like 25 years or so after so whatever it is after like the virtual destruction of the jedi order the only lightsaber practitioners that were left were Darth Vader, who's mostly robot, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's like friggin' old. And so what we're not seeing, what you didn't see in the original trilogy is, you know, two lightsaber duelists at like the height of their powers. And then when they did the prequel trilogies, he invented all of these like giant, spinny, intricate forms of lightsaber fighting and that's actually one of the things I did like about the prequel trilogy. It was like, oh, yeah, here's the Jedi who have been trained since birth, you know, and, like, all of this stuff at kind of the height of their power. Of course they're going to have these, like, super advanced, like, real crazy combat styles, right? Mm-hmm. And what I loved about the f- lightsaber fight at the end of The Force Awakens is that it looks a lot more like the fights from the original trilogy because like so it's it's finn and ray on one side and they've never fought with lightsabers before and so they're kind of being guided by the force i guess but like it's real basic and intuitive and kylo ren has had a little more training but not a ton because he learned from luke skywalker for part of it and i guess from snoke from the other part but he also doesn't have like that lifelong training. And I just thought the continuity of how those scenes was put together, it just showed a ton of attention to detail. I thought it was really, really that cool. That is a really excellent point, yeah. So that's really it. Like There is other stuff we could talk about Star Wars, <laughs> absolutely. We're at a... We, we should probably cut yeah, it short, say, we are or else this is just going to become a so very special episode. Here. And uh, get into episode 17 of Jojen Sentai Jetman, uh, the revived Empress. We're going to watch that. We're going to be right back after the break. Okay, welcome back. So this is episode 17. It's the first part of a two-parter. It is called the revived Empress. It is raw. And Dave, why don't you tell me what we just saw? Okay, man. So it's man. It's an intense episode. Just want to get into uh, it. Yeah, dude. Rather than a recap, like let's just jump into this because there was a lot happening, uh, and I don't feel like a recap is actually going to do us a lot of good. So as we open up, uh, the first establishing shot is until you have seen the rest of the episode, like really hard to visually parse because it's like. <laughs> <laughs> the background is like this big swirly like it, it looks like somebody just like took a bunch of paint and splashed it around and it decided that you know that what it kind of looks like be a like establishing shot for an interdimensional warp it looks like one of those old spin art paintings yes, that is exactly what Remember it those? looks like yeah, I was thinking those of that but great. I couldn't think of spin art I could only think of spirograph and it did not look like that no not a spirograph Although I do think Spirograph is pretty cool. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Spirograph and Spin Art were both great. They were really solid toys. Um, Art and, supplies? Anyway, so there was a... In that space, there was like a big sort of meteor that was crackling with electricity. 
or what yeah, appeared to be electricity. for some reason. Mm-hmm. And we, we look at this for like, I don't know, three seconds, and then we cut to the viral Yeah, dimension. not a long time. Okay, so when we see the viral dimension, uh, the first shot we have is of a chessboard, and then we kind of pan out, and we see that Gray is on one side of the chessboard, and Tran is behind him, and then Radigat enters the scene, and then Maria enters the scene. Which leads me to the question, who exactly is Gray playing chess with? Yeah, in my notes, I just have Gray plays chess with no one? Uh, <laughs> my notes just say Gray playing chess with question mark. Uh, okay, but the, his non-existent opponent aside, uh, so Radigat, like you said, so Radigat enters the scene, but he doesn't just like walk on. He kind of stumbles onto the scene. Uh, clearly something is messing with him. And he says this. He says something is approaching. And he kind of is, uh, he's not sure what's happening. Yeah, like he, he can sense some... that like a bunch of interdimensional energy is being used to like open up a like portal to this world or something like that. And like his head, like I don't know what's going on if his like weird headdress is like an antenna for interdimensional virum energy because his head starts crackling with the same electricity that was surrounding the meteor in the warp zone. So he's just like standing there with his head like sparking. <laughs> And no, like, nobody else really reacts to this. But he does say something very, very, very important. He says, only one person has that much energy. Right. We would assume that this is, like, the titular empress, the revived empress of the episode. But he says, and I just want to be really clear, that Radigat expresses the sentiment that only one person could possibly have that much energy. It's important later. Right. So, we cut from there to a shopping mall. Where we see Aki and, Aki and Kauro. <laughs> Akko and Kauri. <laughs> uh, and they're, like, trying on swimsuits. I'm not trying them on. They're, like, shopping for swimsuits. And they're kind of being like, oh, this one is so cute, etc., etc. And we flash over to the guys who, for some reason, are there. And they're just doing super stereotypical... Like, guy with shopping? Yeah, like, leaning uncomfortably on a shelf, complaining and saying that they will never go shopping with women again. I mean, am I right? <laughs> am I right? Ladies, shopping. It's that. It is exactly that. Yeah, Except they're not laughing. That thing. Uh, so, Akko, so, Kari kind of pulls out a swimsuit, and she's like, well, what do you think about this one? And Akko basically says, like, no, 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 no. You need to get something way hotter than that. How are you ever going to? I don't think she says seduce, I but she like did say seduce. Maybe she does actually. But she's basically like, how are you going to ever catch Ryu's eye with like a dowdy swimsuit like that? Like you got to show a little skin, girl. Which is weird for a kid. Like, listen, if I. So I was about to say, like, for the remainder of this episode, this is true, that if I had a little kid, like, I don't have any kids, but if I had a little kid, I would not let them watch this episode of this show. Uh, but I was talking to our little sister, Katie, who, if you don't recall, just moved back from South Korea, where she had been living for a few years. And she said something very interesting, that in Korea, and so I'm, I'm guessing that maybe this is also true of Japan, I hope that's not, like, jingoistic of me, but uh, but she said in Korea that their 
basically is not a concept of like that this material is appropriate for this age of person but not appropriate for this other age of person well that certainly would explain at least this episode of jetman yeah, she just said, like, she was talking about a movie. Uh, she was talking about Old Boy, which, if you've ever seen Old Boy, is, like, not a movie that an American would show to a child. And But she was talking, like, she mentioned something about it in school. And, like, her students, who were, like, elementary school kids, were like, oh, yeah, that's a great movie. And she was just like, wait, you've seen, you've seen Old Boy? Uh, just, like, as a point of reference, there is a scene in Old Boy where the main character just, like, murders a hallway full of dudes with a claw hammer. And her students are, like, elementary school-age students had seen it. So maybe all this stuff where you and I, Matt, are like, why, why, how can they show this to kids? They're just like, what? Yeah, it's good TV. It's exciting. Like, who cares? Okay, so um, speaking of good TV. Okay, well, speaking of TV, this next scene is not what I would call good TV. This is what I would call... Um, upsetting TV that really makes me question my choice to like this show. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Akko has just told Kaori that, like, she basically, she's like, you gotta get something sexier. But specifically because you are in love with Ryu and, like, you need to seduce him. Guy overhears this. Yeah, because do remember that everybody is aware that Guy is super into Kaori. Uh, Akko is not unaware of this. She just does not care yeah and so guy overhears this he basically just like storms over and gives kauri the goon hand like he just grabs her arm and drags her away it is not comfortable no (laughs) and then he like he drags her into an elevator and everyone else is chasing after them but he hits like the closed door button and they need to get in the other elevator and they're like, dude, what is going on? What is Guy doing? This Like, everyone else recognizes that Guy is not supposed to be acting like this. To the show's credit. Yeah, that is... Okay, so they're actually going to reference this in a second, where Raita says, uh, hey, I hope Guy isn't doing anything... He All he says is, I hope some Guy isn't doing anything weird. Which is very clearly meant to imply, and the other Jetmen get it, I think. That basically, like... Everybody is aware that guy is putting off like a very like rapey vibe. Yeah, no, um, it's not a good look for him. It is not cool at all. Uh, but I was I was pleased to see at least that the show like recognized that like it wasn't like inadvertent. I guess right. Like they they meant so, to show that like yes, guy has done this, and yes. We know that it is a bad thing that he has done this. Right, like, we know this is not appropriate. Uh, So, they're in the elevators, and so we're kind of flashing back and forth between Kaori and Kai and um, Akko, Raita, and Ryu. And Akko is kind of making fun of Kai for being in love, like, in Absentia. Uh, And then we kind of flash away from that scene, and this meteor, like, the meteor that we saw at the beginning, hits hits Earth. Right. And, like, it kind of, like, shoots off an EMP. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Like, electronics and mechanics are kind of, like, spazzing out, spa- slash sparking, slash turning off. Uh, and this has the dual effect. I mean, we kind of... It's happening all over the city. But the Jetmen get stuck in the elevator. Dave, can I say one real quick thing before we move on from this bit? Oh, yeah, Is that yeah, yeah. One of the things they're trying to show is that, like, 
cars have shut down and are like stuck on the road and that the trains have stopped moving. But like, instead of getting a picture of a bunch of cars that are stopped on the road, they, what they have clearly done is taken like a frame from like a video of cars driving and are just showing like a still frame of it. Cause you can see that's a little bit blurry. <laughs> Like, that is a still um, picture was... of cars in motion, not a video of cars that are sitting still. Like, super, I it was super obviously. Really weird that apparently this EMP not only shuts down electronics and stuff, but also cancels inertia. Because all the cars are just stopped. Appa- maybe it... Like, it's not like the engines cut out and everyone hits the brakes and there's terrible accidents all over the city. Uh, it just freezes everything. Maybe it has messed up electronics, mechanics, and time. Who sure that literally Listen. makes as much sense as anything Listen, else? Man, time's a dimension. This is a dimensional thing. Uh, that's yeah, a straw no, that's I can great. grasp I at. Like that. Uh, okay, so we kind of flash back to from there to the elevators, um, and just really doubling down on guy being super uncomfortable. Oh my gosh! He he like he's in there with us, so the lights have turned off. He lights a match, and, like, so there's a little bit of light in this dark elevator, and Kauri's like, oh, great, like, a little bit of light. And then Guy stares at her and blows out the match. Just, just really going for broke yes. on this one. Um, okay. We cut to the Virum very briefly, who have pulled up the, uh, the, like, meteor crash site on their viewing globe and are trying to figure out what has happened. And then we get back to the elevators. Yeah. Rad, I want, I'm going to point out that when we see the Viram dimension, Radigat is kind of freaking out a little bit. Uh, I don't remember if he says anything, but he is definitely, like, he is agitated. He recognizes that something is happening here. So back to the elevators. So in Guy and Kauri's elevator, Guy is just going, like, full-on creep mode. Uh, he is, like, leaning yeah. on the wall, sort of backing Kauri into a corner and saying, I forget exactly what it was. I, it's like, weren't there ever uh, men like this something. when you were, like, weren't there ever men like me in your youth? Like, you must understand men that are men wolves. are like wolves. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, like, he, and, like, maybe even he recognizes that's, like, a tiny bit too far. So he backs off a little bit and he says, listen, like, Tell me about your feelings. Like, what's the deal? Like, you have to know that I love you. So, Kauri's response to this is to, like, start laughing at him. And I think what she's trying to do is to de-escalate the situation. Just like, oh, guy, ha, 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 you seem serious. Like, this seems like you're being serious. Oh, ho, ho, what a funny prank. And then he just continues to, like, stand there and, like, silently stare her down and she stops laughing, and, like, the tension in that elevator gets even worse. Yeah, and he says, and this is when he says, like, you have to know that I love you, or, you know, like, how do you feel about me, or something like that. And Kauri says, well, I've never, like, I've never thought about it. Which is a bad answer, Kauri. We all know, like, you've already admitted that you're in love with Rayu. Like, you said that out loud with everyone there. Like, you kind of can't back out on that now. Also, 
Ryu has been like again has kind of been like remarkably non he just has just I think his decision is to just like not engage with it at all. And that's and like, like because I love you. Other elevator, that is exactly what he's doing. Like Akko is talking about like how Guy is clearly in love with Ryu and I'm sorry, did I just say that Guy was in love with Ryu? <laughs> Because that is not what I uh, Yeah, you did. Uh, Kaori is in love with Ryu, and Guy is jealous. Um, and Ryu's response to this is to, like, cross his arms and continue to lean against the wall silently. <laughs> yeah, like, all this information, and Ryu just kind of says, like, yes, those are facts that you have stated. And, and like, and that's uh, it. But you know who does not respond uh, that so- way is Raita. Yeah, because Raita now, because this was the secret before, but Raita now admits to Akko and Ryu that he is in love with Kaori. And he says, like, I know that she'll never love me, uh, blah, 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 because, blah. Because I mean, basically what he God. says is, like, listen, guy, Ray, uh, Raita, rather, does not have, like, a super high opinion of himself. Like, he, you know, he feels as though he's sort of too, you know, he's like a, dopey farmer with glasses yeah. and the other two guys who are vying for her attention are like a super cop and a guy who when he is not being like a straight up sexual predator is like a cool suave dude right and so but he says he he has accepted that the best he will be able to do is protect her and so like, if, if Kaori... And, oh, what he says is if Guy has done anything to her, he will beat him to death. Which is a big jump. So we go back to the elevator with Guy and Kaori, and, like, Guy is kind of continuing on this vein. Kaori is more or less refusing to answer him. Uh, and then... But she fin- he finally says something about Ryu, specifically. Yeah, well, what happens and is Kaori- that he says... You know, like, what do you think about me? And she says, I don't... Basically says, like, I don't think about you. Like, like I've never even considered whether or not I love you because, like, I just don't think of you in that context. And he says, oh, yeah. well, what about Ryu? And she says, ah, but Ryu is strong, I think is what she says. Yeah, that is... That's precisely what she says. That he is strong. And Guy's like, ah, he's not strong. Like, he's stubborn. Like, he is stubborn and thick-headed and, like, he sucks, basically. Uh, to which yeah. Kaori's response is like, how could you be such a jerk? Like, only the worst sort of men talk about their friends like that. That's right. And then Guy says, yes, like, okay, fine. Like, if you, like, basically, if you won't love me, then I would rather that you hate, like, he would rather have Kaori hate him than be indifferent, is what he yeah, says. Yeah, so now that she he says, has hate me as much as you can. one way or the other, like... You are a crummy g- guy for talking about your friends like that. He's like, good. Now you hate me. Like, hate me even more. Which. Yeah, like something. Again, guy is. It's okay. We have talked about this before. And the really weird thing is that, like, in before we started re- or my second watch through this show so that you and I can do this program, like. In my memory, Guy is like my one of my favorite characters on the show. Like I really like him. And then we watch the show, and he keeps doing stuff like this. And I'm, and it takes me a while to get to another scene where I rem, like am reminded of his positive qualities. 
<laughs> and like eventually, like you know, we are seeing a progression of a character who starts as sort of a very morally dubious guy who improves over the course of the season. But like, man, they really go heavy into his like moral failings yeah, in the first. They just half of this do season. not let up. Okay, so as this is all kind of reaching ahead, the elevator power comes back on. And the elevators, like, reach their destination, and the Jetmen get out. Now, as soon as the Jetmen get out, Raita basically, like, grabs Guy by the lapels and's like, hey, like, what did you do? Like, cause, like blah, 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 blah. Uh, Guy at least recognizes that his behavior is out of the ordinary because he does yell at Raita for accusing him. Yeah, he says, like, how could so you accuse me least... of such a thing? Which, again, they never say in black and white, but... Right, but, like, it is clear that Guy, at least in this moment, recognizes that, like, he's kind of out of right, line. Right, like, oh, that is uh, what like, they kind thought of, I was doing in there. I mean, 100% out of line. Uh, but the chief calls them on their cross changers and says, like, you guys have got to go check out this meteor. Like, go, like, it's in this sector, go see what's happening. So, smash cut to that meteor. Um, Radigate shows up and is looking at it and sort of, like, circling around it. And he pulls out his sword, yeah. and it looks like he's about to start, like, hitting it. And I don't know exactly what his aim is there. Not sure. But he does say something that I want to talk about for a second, Matt. Okay. So, he's looking at this meteor, which is, I think, crackling with electricity. Yeah, or at least and it was looks when it into I'm it. not sure that it still is. Yeah. And he says, could this be Empress Juza? Which, again... I would like to point out that Radigate has already stated that there is only one person that has this kind of power. So when he shows up to the scary meteor that's like crackling with electricity that came from another dimension, it is a like, yes, yes, it's absolutely Empress Juza, Radigate. Like, I don't even know it was Empress Juza. You clearly did. Why are you asking this right, question? Right, you done like, cracked this case already. <laughs> right. Um, but he is, he pulls out his sword and it looks like he's about to just like haul off and, uh, and stab the meteor. I don't know what he hopes to accomplish with that, but whatever. But before he does this, the Jetmen arrive, but like they don't attack immediately. They, but they see Radigat and they're like, ha, like we knew that the Virum had something to do with this, which like, yes, like obviously guys, like the obvious. Hey man, listen, it is obvious, but they miss obvious stuff like this every episode <laughs> it's like their part-time job uh but radigate rather than just attacking them basically says like you guys scram this has nothing to do with you like this is virum business like i don't i'm not even fighting you right now like just leave but the jetman obviously like they don't leave and then the meteor thing like splits in half and enter empress juza and she is like uh, she's like she's dressed all in white, and she's got like a cool like staff staffy magic polearm thing, and then like one of her arms is like kind of a tentacle, maybe. I thought it was supposed to be more of a claw, but honestly, it could go either way. Uh, I could go either way. Uh, so she kind of like looks over at the jet. She's like Radigan, ah, good to see you. She looks over at the Jetmen, and just like points her magic staff polearm thing at them explodes them 
like it ain't no thing. Like she does, she's not even half trying. Right. It's like she. It's like she has woken up, rolled out of bed, and is hitting like the snooze alarm. Like that is her approach Which, to like utterly defeating the Jetman. Yeah. Uh, we skip the end of that scene, which I can only assume involves the Jetman recovering and making a desperate escape because they're still alive. Uh, and we jump to the Viram dimension where we see all three, not four, but three of the Viram commanders. We see Grey, Tran, and Radigat kneeling to the Empress. Maria is not there. Now, I don't know where this throne came from. Uh, because there was not previously an empress, like, taking up residence in this particular dimension. Uh, uh I, I'm comfortable assuming that she can just, like, magic one into existence. Yeah, I guess if like, magic boulders into existence, existence, she can, yeah, like, sure. manifest a throne. She's like a dimension hopper thing, man. She probably just, like, pulled it. She's got, like, a dimensional throne. Like, um, what's his name? The new god. Metron? Yeah, that's the one with the super chair. Uh, yeah, and I all of a sudden cannot remember the name of Metron's chair, and that is going to bother me probably for the rest of the episode. So mm, thanks for giving yeah, me that fair. gift. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, you talk about this scene. I'm looking up what Metron's chair is called. Uh, I was already <laughs> I was looking up what it was called because I thought you were going to talk about the scene. Okay, so here's what happens. So Maria enters, and she is furious. Uh, and this is very interesting because obviously she doesn't recognize Empress Juza. Uh, so she is new to like the whole Viram scene, reinforcing the idea that this actually probably is just straight up Rie, Ryu's dead girlfriend from episode one. Yeah, I actually really like this because she walks in and is not only furious, but like super confused. Uh, and also Metron's chair is the Mobius chair. Ah, yeah, I can't believe I forgot that. Okay, so anyways. So she is, like, very confused. And Radigat's like, dude, you need to tone it back. This is Empress Juza, like, leader of all the Viram. And Maria, again, like, doesn't really compute. And I feel like she should at least understand that concept because they are all currently vying to be the leader of all the Viram. But she responds to it as though, like, how could there possibly be one person in charge? Yeah, it's kind of a weird reaction from her. So, Juza... Uh, oh, uh, did we mention, I don't know, because I was Googling Metron at the time, uh, that they were all, like, bowing and, like, kissing her hand and stuff. Like, really bowing yeah, and scraping. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. If I didn't catch that, they're totally, they're toadying. Um, so, Radigat says, like, oh, my gosh, Juza, we thought you were lost at the end of the last Dimension War. Which is awesome. And Juza responds, she says, no, 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 I can see why you would have thought that, but I just wanted to rest. Like, I just needed to chill out after that war. It was a biggie, but I'm back with a new power. And what's really cool is as she's talking about how big the previous dimensional war had been, we see a series of, like, drawings of other dimensions that they had destroyed. And you get, like, six or seven, like, big, like, you know, murals of these ruined other dimensions. And they all look very different, and it's very cool to get sort of a scope of what the Viram had been doing previously. Yeah. 
And so she says that she is back with a new power, and she's got, like, it's kind of weird, but it's like a tentacle that comes from around behind her and is holding on to, like, this glowy, gemmy egg thing. We don't know what it is, but Radigat clearly recognizes it. Like, he sees it and kind of freaks out a little bit. And so what uh, Empress Jusa says is she says she wants humanity to, she's going to drag, what is uh, it? I'm going to drag beat this, this planet. world into the depths of hell. Thank you. Beat this world into the depths of hell. And she says she wants humanity to suffer. Again, we don't really know why. Uh, that's just her jam. So we get a couple of like flashy shots uh, from around the... No, it's not actually around the world. I think it's just from around like Tokyo. Uh, that we see like... There's like a guy and a girl and they're like walking around. There's like some kids playing soccer. There's like some girls on a park bench. And we are seeing the sort of telepresence Vibram thing of Empress Jesus. She's kind of looking at all of these different people. All right. And then she zaps something like out of her forehead, maybe? I forget exactly. Yeah, she's got like a jemmy thing on her forehead that's like a power beam. And it zaps them all and they all just start writhing in agony. Just like holding various parts of their bodies. Right. So at first, uh, I thought she was just killing people. Turns out... That is not the case. We'll get to there. Uh, we'll get there in a second. But those people are not dead, at least not yet. Right. So we jump back to Vyram dimension, and now, like, we see the other Vyram commanders, like, not in the immediate presence of Empress Jusa. Like, they're kind of in their loungy area. And what's great is that, uh, like, they a clearly... minute ago, they were all super, like, oh, Empress Jusa, it's so great that you're back. And now that they're not in her throne room, they're just like, oh my gosh. This sucks. Like, I cannot believe yeah. that this woman is back. Yeah, they are not into her. And Radigan actually says, like, listen, this can't happen. Like, I am just going to take her out. Like, I will deal with this. Um, Maria is so, laughing at them. Like, I cannot believe that you guys were all, like, kissing her feet. How pathetic. <laughs> the other parent dimension leaders are like, uh, listen, no, you clearly don't understand. Uh, she's crazy. Uh, but also crazy powerful. And what Radigat says is that that eggy jemmy thing is Semimaru, and it is the source of her power, and it is the ultimate destructive weapon. That's a little bit weird, uh, because Semimaru is also the name of, like, a Heian period super famous, like, Japanese poet. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I had to remember the name, because, like, I graduated from college 10 years ago but i was like Semimaro, i i know that name and i looked it up i was like yeah that's okay i don't know why he's also like he's a japanese poet slash like terrifying dimensional monster like whatever but now at least we do get some sort of explanation from radigat as to why empress juza is so invested in humanity suffering it's because by absorbing this suffering she will be able to give birth to Semimaru, which is like the di- like multi-dimensional ultimate destructive weapon power thing. So like the right? flashy thing at the end of that like tentacle, I think it's like an egg in there, basically. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be what it is. This is where things get wrong. Yeah. It's like, so heads up, this is about to get Mondo gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's really unpleasant. So we flash back to the people that, like just around Tokyo that we had seen before, and they are still just writhing around in terrible agony. And now we find out why. 
because whatever that beam was that Empress Juza shot at them is causing crystals to grow out of their body. Now, I know what you're thinking. What you're thinking is that, like, crystals are forming around their body, but that's not what's happening. Crystals are growing from inside of them and bursting through their skin in a bloody mess. Yeah, like, they're just, they're on various parts of them, and they're just surrounded by blood. Uh, It is very definitely kind of horrifying. So, Juza teleports to Earth, and she's just kind of checking this out, and is, like, pretty pleased with her handiwork. Uh, And as she's looking around, the Jetmen arrive, like they kind of run around the corner and they start charging at Empress Jiza. This is actually pretty cool because she does like a blasty at them and there's an explosion and and when the smoke has cleared slash like the Jetmen have run through the smoke, they are now cross-changed, which I thought was really cool. That's always a great moment. Uh, unfortunately, so they, had, they then proceed to completely, like, lose this fight. Oh, yeah, like, man. Ryu uh, jumps at her attack- and is trying to attack with his sword, but she just teleports around every time he tries to hit her. I literally don't think she moves this entire fight. Like, she might extend her staff to, like, blast someone, but that's it. Empress Juza is not exerting herself in the slightest, and she is taking the rangers apart with uh, surgical precision. No, 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 that's not a good way to say that, because that would involve, like, concentration and effort. She is, like, fly-swatting them. Like, she just doesn't even care. So Ryu, like, starts attacking her with the sword. (laughs) Right, and Juza does not care care like she just i think she just telekinetic blasts him away or something well, right she, she's teleporting around to not get hit oh yeah that's right uh and then i forget what she does to him but he does not like it uh <laughs> i don't know he does not Guy tries to do a thing Rita throws like a big oil drum at her uh guess how much empress Juza cares about that oil drum not at all she just <laughs> she just hurls it back at Rita, uh hoisted by his own petard as it uh, were. Akko tries to do some gymnastics at her, like does a lot of flipping around <laughs> and ends it with like a big flying punch with the wing gauntlet. This is amazing because normally when Akko is like doing gymnastics at people, they're all sort of like waving their hands, but like, what's happening? I don't know. So many handsprings. Uh, Right. And so we see Akko and she's doing all this stuff around Juza and Everest Juza is just standing there, uh, like watching her looking kind of like looking confused like why is this person just doing handsprings around me uh and then when Akko tries to punch her Empress Juice just blasts her with her polar oh no it's not the polearm blast this is when she breathes fire on her oh yeah that's right Empress Juice can breathe fire and then they all together uh, like up. try to shoot their bird blasters at her oh yeah and she just holds it she kind of vaders it but she does one better because the blasts like hit her hand and then she just bounces them back. And this hits them all so and, hard that they are knocked out of their Jetman forms and are just lying in a heap, like in a <laughs> like cloud of smoke. So we get kind of a rare treat uh, in this episode is we actually kind of see the end of this scene, uh, which is this, is that now that the Jetmen are all down, Empress Jusa looks over and she's about to blast Kauri with that same like energy gem beam thing out of her forehead with the, that causes the crystals. 
guy kind of catches that this is about to happen and dives on that bullet. Like, he takes that shot. He jumps in front of it. He gets blasted. Kauri's fine. Uh, guy, on the other hand, starts writhing in agony like everyone else had been. Right. Uh, for some reason, Radigat arrives like Empress Susa clearly doesn't need any help. Me, I think Radigan just wants to be like, I'm part of the team. Like, you and me, Empress Juzo, right? Out. I'm totally helping. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he does a little bit. So he does attack. Uh, and then, and then the I was going to say, like, you said we that don't we actually saw the end see... of the scene. Yeah, we don't, we don't we actually. the end of that part. Now, like, so Radigan arrives, they fight for a second, and now the scene is over. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they just cut these scenes out. Because the end of the scene would just be the heroes beating like a hasty and desperate retreat. Possibly. And so they just, like, they just don't want to show that part. I would love to see like a, like the deleted scenes from Jetman. Like, I doubt that they exist, <laughs> but imagine if there were like on a DVD box set, the deleted scenes, which were just like all of the times where the Jetman are running away or like barely surviving something. <laughs> that would be a montage worth watching. Okay, so but we don't get to see that uh, now or ever, I would assume. But what we do see now is they're in the Viram dimension, and it's Empress Juza, and Radigat is kind of kneeling, standing something in front of her, and Juza is saying, like, Radigat, like, super glad I'm back. You're my A1 guy. Like, you're the best. Like, thank you for being uh, so loyal. Also, yeah, thank you for being so loyal. Also... Uh, you're really cute. She just kind of throws that one in there. So then Radigate's like, yes, that's me. Like, the cute, loyal guy. And he stands up and he goes to walk away. And then he turns around and tries to attack her. Yeah. Uh, guess how much Juza cares about this. Uh, I'm going to guess zero. Yeah, she does not care. Like, she doesn't even get a hit in. As soon as she he starts to stab at her, she just goes immaterial. So the sword goes right through her, and then you just see Radigat kind of, like, slashing at her, but nothing is happening. And she is, however, she is surprised slash hurt by his betrayal. So she is emotionally wounded. Which I guess, you know, is a... For the Virum, I imagine that counts as a moral victory. Uh, maybe. It's also more than anyone else has managed to hurt her. So, yeah. points to Radigat, I guess. Uh, but she, Empress Juza, transforms into Demon Beast Juza, who is rough-looking. Yes. She's got, like, tentacles instead of arms, and, like, horns coming out of her jaw. She has, like, a weird, scaly, demon-looking thing. Uh, she doesn't have wings or anything. Uh, but she is definitely rough-looking. And she just, like, telekinetic blasts Radigan. So he goes flying, and then she's kind of holding him up in the air, spinning him around. And she's like, how dare you think that you could beat me? Like, did you forget who I am? I am the Empress <laughs> Jusa. Like, that you stand no chance against me. Etc., etc. And then... You know how uh, at the end of, like, uh, I think it's Fantastic Four 50, 50, no, 49, sorry, because 50 is this man, this monster, right? Uh, anyway, at, at the I'm end really of when the Silver Surfer turns on this. Galactus, 
and then Galactus is like, oh, yeah, you yeah, jerk, yeah. Okay. and does like the two red eye beams that zap through him to uh, remove a portion of his cosmic power and make it so that he can no longer leave the Earth. Yeah. Uh, she like does a version of that, and I don't know why I decided to go into that weird Fantastic Four thing, uh, but she does shoot him with red eye beams and says, I will give you the worst punishment that I can imagine. I will turn you into a human. Yeah, this is amazing. And so she just, like, his, like, crazy headdress fades away, and his skin turns kind of a human color. Well, I mean, an ex- exactly a human just, color. There's no makeup Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> and also yeah, his clothes true. change. Like he, he is yeah, no longer he just in like his a cool dude. like Count Radigat outfit. He's wearing like a t-shirt and like an acid-washed white jean jacket with a collar turned up. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, so we cut away from there, and we see the Jetmen kind of like stumble running away from the fight, and it kind of goes down. We kind of uh, guy kind of collapses. And he pulls his sleeve back, and he also has, like, a giant crystal growing out of his wrist and is obviously, like, writhing in agony. We cut away from there, and we just see, like, a very peaceful scene of, uh, of a girl on a beach with her dog. And then the girl looks over, and she sees Humanigate, is what I'm going to call him. Yeah. Okay, uh, let us really try to remember that for next week, because it's great. Yeah, so she sees Humanigate, uh kind of lying on the beach, and she sort of starts to walk over, but then the scene cuts away. Uh, we go back to Sky Camp, and Guy is super freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah. Like, if you thought he was freaking out before. He's, like, lashing out. Uh, Raita is trying to keep him, like, pinned to the table so they can try to do something about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no idea. Yeah, and we just see, like, there are crystals growing out everywhere. There's one on his forehead, like, coming out of his elbow. Uh, Guy is in rough shape. And then, like, to be continued. That's it. Well, he, uh, I think he manages to throw them off and is starting to run out of Sky Camp, and that's where we cut the episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does try to, he does try to book it. So, that is the end of episode 17. Dave, what is your high point? You know, I think my high point for this week is uh, Empress Juza herself, mm-hmm. and I dig her because she's like, I, I kind of dig that she's just super powerful, that it's not even a fight. Like, she just destroys the Jetman and doesn't care, and like, no one, and I think it's, it's a cool narrative thing that's kind of setting it up later for like, oh, dang, like, how is this, like, how are they going to beat her? Because, like, with the other Viren monsters, like, you know, there's a little fight back and forth. And so there's always a feel that, like, okay, the Jetman can just kind of, like, get it together and they'll beat whatever the dimensional monster right. is. But with Empress Juza, it's like, dang, man, I'm not, I don't really know how they're going to pull this one out. Like, I know they will, but I'm just, into, I think it's, it'll be cool to see it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, how about you, man? Um, mine is actually related. And, like, listen, it's gross. But, like, the weird crystal thing that she was doing to people is just such, like, an out-there thing that I had did not expect the first time I watched this episode and had, frankly, forgotten when I was watching it this time. And, like, man, if you need to, like, pick something to really, like, define this episode, like, what makes it stick out from the other ones, like, the moment that people started, like, clutching at their arms and gemstones were just bursting through their skin, like... Listen, it's not a pleasant thing to watch, 
Um, but even with like the limited budget and 1991 special effects, like it is like a real raw moment. Yeah, they don't uh, they don't mess around. So, what is your <laughs> low point? Uh, my low point, I think maybe is actually kind of your high point. Is that like yeah, that's fair? This show just got like real intense slash dark slash like creepy scary on like a certain level like kind of out of nowhere you know what i mean like we've had some pretty intense moments in Jetman, but not like crystals erupting out of someone's body and like a horrifying display of pain and agony style right yet so that was a weird moment for me uh, <laughs> how about how about you, man? Uh, my low point is what we discussed earlier, which was Guy just being like really, really terrible. Yeah. And listen, like he gets better, but that doesn't mean that what he is doing in the early part of the series is like cool or like acceptable. Just because he becomes like a much better person later on in the show. Uh, yeah, no, it's it uncomfortable, is, uh... and I don't like watching it. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I have to say about it that we didn't cover earlier. Um, normally, I try to make my low points like a joke about how like zany something is in the episode. Uh, but this time, there was just a legit problem that I had, and I'm complaining about it. <laughs> um, all right, Super Sentai, well... everybody. Hey, it's wacky. Also, sometimes deeply uncomfortable. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's it for us, though, yeah? Uh, before we finish up here, I would like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we're at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh... The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2016. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking Up with your us. Game. Uh, yet another, well, not another year. Uh, we've only been doing this for a year and a half. But. Yeah, but. A full year. Thanks for sticking with us for a whole year. How about that? Yeah, it feels great. If you are one of the people who have rated or reviewed on iTunes, thank you so much. It really means a lot to us. Thank you for people who have told their friends or just listened to it on their own. Uh, you're all great folks, and we're lucky to have you. <laughs> the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week.